Welcome to our podcast. This is David King. I want to take just a second and thank you for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. All right, I want to take just a second, look into the camera, and welcome those of you that are watching online right now at shilohoutreach.com. Big shout out to all of you that are on Facebook Live. We appreciate everybody that's coming and be along with the, for the ride today and uh, listen to the message. I also want to give a big shout out to all of you ladies at our campus at the Claiborne County Detention Center and a big shout out to the Wild Bunch at the Tazewell location. We are one church wherever you are. So let's come together. Come on like you've never done it before. Give each other a big hand. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so we're in a, we're in a marriage relationship series and uh, and. Uh, we try to balance these things out a little bit. I know a lot of times some of you are pretty used to just hearing men talk to ladies about marriage. I mean, if you know that can be unfair. Come on, ladies, don't be afraid to say it. You know it's true. And, uh, and last week, I just mostly addressed uh, the men and, uh, and talked to the men about uh, uh, loving our wives. And we're going to do that again next week. We're going to talk some more about that. But uh, today's special because we get to hear from a woman perspective of this. And uh, so this one's for the ladies today. And all of you guys just got to buckle down and, and pay close attention. Come on, you'll learn something. It's going to be good. And uh, I can't say enough about uh, Tonya uh, Allen here. Um, for those of you that don't know this and maybe you've not been here uh, very long, uh, Tonya was, they, her and Sean was with us for years. Um, the Lord has called them back to London, and I'm still struggling with that one, but that's, that's, in the, that's between me and the Lord there. And, uh, but, but anyway, uh, here for years and uh, just the best of friends. And, and, and not only that, but uh, just a, a sweet, humble spirit about her. And I remember the first time she was going to worship. She's a worship leader. And she's just going to sing. And I said, we were doing 21 days. And I said, um, would you come up and just play the guitar and do a song for us before we launch our, our, our prayer today? And she said, can I, can I do it from the back in the dark? <laughs> I said, no, you can't. You've got you to gotta come right up here. And so there was that. And then, and then later on, of course, you know, I, um, uh, she eventually uh, uh, led the worship team here for years and really, really changed the culture of it and uh, everything it's been just great ever since and uh and among the very first to be i have a speakers class so i mean speakers group that we do coaching group uh, for anybody that wants to speak and by the way it's open to everybody anybody that would want to be in that just uh, come and see me but but she was the first to be in there and so she's been a been a a part of all this for a long time, and uh, I'm just so excited. We're going to get to hear things from a, a different perspective today, and I'm excited about that as well. So if you would, at both locations, all the way around, would you give Tonya Allen a big hand? Would you do that right now? Hello, family and everyone at the campuses. Uh, I'm always so thankful and grateful when Pastor David asks me to do this. I'm glad they can be here, him and Stacy today. They usually run off and leave me. He'll call me and tell me a date he's going to be gone and be like, just do whatever you got cooking in there from the Lord. <laughs> but this time he gave me a challenge. He has plopped me right in the middle of the Love and Respect series. The week after, he called all the men to the carpet with the five love languages. So I walked in and said, so are you going to be talking to the ladies this week? And I was like, don't worry, I'm not picking on anybody but Sean Allen today. <laughs> 
But uh, I always worry a little bit, you know, in a series, um, you don't want to repeat what the person before you said. So I was watching Pastor uh, last week and listening to what he said. And, you know, you don't have to really worry about those things because it's kind of like the Bible. There's a lot of different speakers, but it ends up being one message from God. So I'm excited to uh, see what all he has in store for the whole series. I don't know what people after me will say, but I'm sure... You're going to hear a lot about relationships and the good things about them and some of the not-so-good things about them. So I thought I would kick this off right and make a little bit of fun of Sean and tell you all the things about him that drive me crazy and see if anyone can relate. The first one is this, ladies, have you ever been driving in the car with your significant other and you look over at him, he's driving and he's just driving along so peaceful and happy and you're like what are you thinking about and he says nothing <laughs> and you're like I know he's thinking something he just don't want to tell me but you know and your mind starts spinning well did you know that there's actually nothing going on up there <laughs> it's true I heard it on the radio so it's got to be true <laughs> that men have the ability to just turn it off and not have a single thought in their brains. And I'm over here, like with 12 tabs open, like, who's got an appointment this week? What load of laundry should I do for it? Probably the light because Sean needs these pants and Sean needs, uh, Jackson needs this shirt. And then I've got 37.10 in the grocery budget with three pounds of hamburger meat. So that's two pounds of spaghetti over here and four quarter pounders over there. And on and on. And I think, I would really just love to give some of this over to that empty space of yours. <laughs> So I look over, he's just la, 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 and I get jealous, and I'm frustrated at his blissful oblivion. So there's one of them. I guess that's all men and not just Sean's fault. But the next one is called man math. Now, you might not know what that means because I think I made that term up, but when I explain it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Men like to round to their advantage. For example, Sean will be like, I bought something on Amazon it was just a couple dollars. No, it wasn't. It was $20. <laughs> or, I've got my eye on this gun, and it's just a little over $500. No, Sean. It's just a little under $1,000. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, man math will rationalize the itch they get to buy a new toy, and you can see it coming. Here's the latest. We've got to put $500 into a vehicle, and you can see them start. Well, you know what they say. When you start having to put money into them, it just turns into a money pit. I think we ought to just probably just get us a new one. Anyone? Because man math says that if you pay $500 a month for the next six years, that's more profitable, profitable than just putting it in one time to increase the longevity of your vehicle for three years. Right? So is anybody a victim of man math or is it just me? Nobody. It's just me, Sean. Oh, I see a hand. Thank you. I'm not alone. <laughs> So all jokes aside, I, I really did want to find an angle for this that you might not hear down the road about marriage or partnerships, uh, relationships. And so I'm going to share what I think the Lord wanted my contribution to be. And it's more so about partnership. Because if you're looking for the qualities of a good partner, or better yet, you're studying yourself to see if you have the qualities of a good partner, that's going to trickle into future relationships like marriage that are built to last. And I firmly believe that partnership is the foundation to relationship. 
And we could do weeks worth of messages with all kinds of scripture about what we should look for in a person and who we should be. But I'm just going to give you five very basic key elements today that I think we can find in the Bible through and through to see what God says about what a good partnership looks like. And it's these. A partner who prays. A partner who defends. A partner who works hard. Also a partner who lifts you up. And then finally, a partner who makes you better. And all five of these can be summed up in four simple scriptures that I'm sure all of you are very familiar with. The first one is this from Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This verse highlights the power of prayer and the importance of partnering with others who are seeking God's will. It reminds us that when we come together in unity, that the presence of God and his blessings are multiplied. You want someone in your corner who will pray with you and agree on things and pray for you. Find someone who will fast with you over things that are important to you. I know we're talking really about romantic relationships, but my friend circle does this for me. I don't invest time. I'm, I'm kind to everybody. I have lots of acquaintances. But my circle does these things for me. That's who I invest my time in. Someone I can call up. I've got a little set of girlfriends I can call up. They'll pray for me. They'll do whatever for me. They don't hesitate. And so we need praying friends, but even more so, we need praying spouses Sean and I have come together various times over jobs and career changes and um, just big transitions where we needed God to move. And I remember when we were transitioning from here to London, oh man, it was scary. We were like, what are you doing, God? We needed confirmations. We needed paychecks to line up. We needed housing. And so we decided to take Mondays and pray and fast together. And I don't mean like skip the cupcakes. I mean like we did not eat <laughs> and we drank some water. And it really just exposed how weak we were because we just laid around, you know, famished and all this stuff. And I thought, wow, we're, we're so weak. I thought of Esther, you know, and she led the whole nation in a three-day fast and prayer, and then she gets up and does this banquet and has the mental clarity to save her people. And, and me and Sean's like waiting for 1201 to eat a bite of food. <laughs> so it's kind of pitiful. But when you have someone sacrificing like that with you and for you, it has a multifaceted benefit. The first one is I'll never forget doing that with him. It bonds you together when you do that. The second is it reminds us where our help comes from when God, uh, we're waiting on him to move. We can look back at how we joined together and prayed for that and saw him move in the past so we can hang on to that till he does it in our present. It also gets you to continue to dream and seek the things of God together. And four, it causes you to battle together with God against evil, which leads me to our next one, your partner should be your defender. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And you've probably heard that at a lot of weddings, I'm sure. But it emphasizes the strength and resilience that comes from a partnership that's built on a foundation of faith. 
It reminds us that when we unite together, especially with God at the center, that you're stronger, stronger and more capable of conquering challenges. You want someone who has your back. When, when I have someone against my back, nothing can come up behind me because they're always watching for me. They're battling with me. We're so much more efficient that way. There's an old saying that uh, says, choose a partner you can go to war with. I don't know if you've heard that before. And that might seem dramatic, but if you live long enough, you are going to have a lot of battles. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're in an all-out war with Satan. So you don't want to fight that alone. I felt a little bit like I've been on a battlefield and on the defense really ever since we left here. And there's been a lot of great moments, but there has been a lot of uncertainty and just things I don't understand. Um, a lot of disappointment. And, you know, people, we say this to each other all the time, like, <clears throat> oh, it's a season. And I've said that. And I believe in seasons. And I believe they're good for us. But after, you know, spring and summer and fall and winter pass by about two or three times, and you're like, it's starting to feel more like an age. Like the ice age <laughs> or something, you know. So 2023, the whole year was not very kind to me. My mom passed away. I felt like I had to march straight to hell for my kid. And uh, I just want to tell you right here and add this, that this generation of kids, and I know that almost sounds cliche because everybody's like, this generation. No, really, this generation of kids is facing attack at an unprecedented level. They are battling with things on the daily that we never even fathomed when we grew up. And so you should be praying every day back-to-back back with your spouse for your kids and wake up every morning like someone's after them because they are. And if you don't have kids yet, just go ahead and start now for them because no one is exempt from trials. And if you think that Satan's just going to leave your family alone and hand you over your peace, you're, you're asleep. So you want someone, ladies, a man who back-to-back -back with you will wage war for your kids and for your marriage. And they're always watching your back and seeing what's coming up uh, from behind the family so they're ready for it. And men, you need a wife who will wake up before a soul stirs and lift your name up to the throne of heaven and go down the hallways and place their hands on the doors and plead the blood of Jesus over your family. Because it's needed. You want to have a relationship and a partner who's actually a partner. You can have a relationship and not have a partner or a helper to help you defend. Sean fights with me. Not fights with me, but like <laughs> against things. <laughs> Should have written that out a little different. But <laughs> fights with me against things and he fights for me. <laughs> He is my protector. And that leads me to our third one. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And this verse emphasizes the importance of having a reliable partner in times of struggle. The first part of this is the labor part. That's the first key. You want to aim for someone who works, not just at a job, but in everything. And the Bible is 
filled with affirmation about good hard work. Yes, rest too. We know that that's important to God. But good hard work, consistent, is good for the mind and the body and the soul and the kingdom. So if you're pursuing someone who's lazy, get ready for a lifetime of struggle. And and most times it affects the person who's connected to the lazy person because the lazy person's content sitting on the dusty couch cushion with nothing, you know. But the other people have to suffer a lot of times. You don't want someone who's unwilling to work because then they're going to be unwilling to work on your relationship or in other things. You want someone to work hard at their job to provide and contribute the best they can, but to make themselves better for kingdom purposes and to make the relationship better. My favorite part of this is the second part. You want to find someone who will cover you. So I gave you the illustration of back-to-back, and you're able to do a 360 of things that come at you. But, yeah, sometimes it's, it's best to have two defending, but sometimes one goes down. Find someone who will cover you and defend you, not just back-to-back like we talked about, but when life knocks you off of your feet and you can't do your part. Because that same person will enlist the forces of heaven to fight your enemies for you. And then they'll turn around and pick you up and dust you off and restore you. Sean and I have been married for over 20 years. And we have back and forth done this for each other. Sean has been very candid about struggling with depression at times. It gets worse in the winter months uh, often. But if some kind of transition or life change happens... In the middle of that, it's like a perfect storm. And there's been two seasons in our lives where he was just down for the count. One of them was when we were leaving here. We didn't know what God was doing. It just, boom, came together. And I'm talking about can't get off the couch kind of things and debilitating anxiety and depression and can't think straight kind of stuff. And so there were times when... I had to be the financial provider. And so we could do what we thought God was calling us to do. And that was very hard for him to swallow. And there's times that I had to be the spiritual leader for just a little bit. Because he didn't feel like he had the capacity to do that. But the thing is, is while he was down, I didn't kick him. I didn't rush him. Chastise him or shun him. I covered him until he could get back up. And a righteous man always gets back up. It's no different for me. He's done it for me. He's doing it for me right now in my season of grief. I lost mom in September. And I've always considered myself such a strong person. And like, okay, and a planner. You know, if this happens, I'm going to do this, this, this. And I've always kind of prided myself how organized I was and faith over fear and mind over matter, you know, just all these things. And I was not prepared for what grief does to a person physiologically that you cannot, it, I don't know, I don't want to say you can't overcome it because I, I, you know, I don't want to discard faith, but I'm just telling you, there's a war between faith and your body and your mind and things that happen that you have a hard time bouncing back from. So he's been very patient with me. I, I, you know, the house is wrecked. He hasn't rushed me. Um, I don't want to cook dinner sometimes. I cry. I try to finish a project, and I can't because her little things are laying there. And I, 
you know, you don't want to move them because it makes her gone that much more. So he'll move them for me or just let them sit. And um, I, then I'll cry, and then I get what's called grief fatigue, and I, I just can't move. I get so down. And, uh, you know, then you don't feel like cooking dinner and on and on. And he has never, never once been like, hey, it's time, it's time for this to be over. We need the house back together. We need some dinners around here. You know, none of that. And uh, my mind, I, I, like I told you, I was always like, yes, I'm organized and all these things. It's so foggy, and I, I just don't even feel like myself. I was worried to do this message. I almost called David a bunch of times. It's like I was writing it, and someone just dumped a puzzle box out. And I was like, I can't do this. My mind wouldn't work. And so anyway, he's been very patient and uh, kind and thoughtful and uh, during this strangest feeling that I have until I can get back up on my feet. You've probably all heard the saying, all is fair in love and war, but that's not true. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair when your child gets sick or goes off the rails and you feel like you've done everything you can do to be a good parent. It's not fair that if I would have made one simple decision in an innocent way, just a little different, I would have gotten to spend the last few alert moments with my mom before she passed away. It's not fair when your partner goes down mentally and you have to suffer for it. It's not fair when intimacy dwindles because of circumstances beyond your control. It's not fair when you have to keep the house and the finances running because your co-defender's down and out of commission. Life isn't fair because we live in a fallen world where a very real enemy who does not play fair and doesn't care about fair stalks and roams to kill, steal, and destroy everything good in your life. We are in a battlefield between heaven and hell, so you have to fight for your marriage, and you have to fight for your kids and for your future, and it's not fair. So you better have a praying partner, a partner who will work hard to fight with you and for you, especially when you go down. And when they pull you back up, they make you better, which brings me to our fourth one. You've heard this one before, too. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This verse highlights the significance of choosing a partner who challenges and encourages us to grow. It reminds us that a strong partnership involves mutual growth and the ability to refine each other's character and make each other better. Making someone better is always easier than letting them make you better. I think everyone could probably agree. And that's Sean's problem. He needs sharpened a lot, and I don't, you know. <laughs> sometimes he wants to get better, and sometimes he just wants to wallow in his dullness. <laughs> oh, he, he hates to be called out. Oh, my gosh. And he'll stew on it for a few minutes or some days. And <laughs> then he'll come back and be like, I know that's true, and you were just trying to make me better. And you all would be so proud to know that I rarely say I told you so. My most recent sharpening of Sean was in his weakest area. We all know what it is. It's his spending habits. I'm forever trying to sharpen him into a saver. I always tell him that he has a King Solomon taste on a Jeremiah the Prophet budget. <laughs> He wants to fly to Florida to fish. 
and he wants a watch that tells you how well you slept at night and what hour your REM sleep was. And then he wants a weather station for the family so that he can tell us what the southwest wind speeds are coming in at because we all want to know that. He also wants a $500 gun that's really $1,000, you know, like we talked about already. So just this month, I sharpened him right into a side hustle. You guys, can anybody guess what it is? Don't say it. Sean Allen is now the friendly neighborhood door dasher. <laughs> he loves it, guys. He didn't even come home last night. I was in the bed. He'll call and be like, just one more. It's for $10. I got to go. I'm like, geez. And he gets so back. So I'll be like, you got to start putting some gas money back into the family budget. Because, you know, we can't afford to assist your side hustle. So we go back and forth about that. But I think he's come to grips with it now. And he is watching his debt dwindle down and sees that his fun money reserves can go up. So now he is thankful that he is a partner with such a great sharpener. I know I pick on him a lot, but really, I know it's hard to believe, but I can be a hothead, and I can be dramatic, and uh, having someone who will give me a different perspective about things, and calm me down, and tell me to rethink, uh, look at it at a different angle is good. I don't like it. I want him to be, you know, mad with me and agree with me, so mm, I I don't like your perspective. I didn't want to see that one. I can feel my blood boiling when he tries to teach me something. And I know that's pride, but it's true. Sharpening is painful because it requires friction. And nobody wants to be called out and be held accountable and critiqued and made better. But a partner who does this for you and allows you to do it for them is crucial in life. You don't want to be stagnant. And just like we let Jesus and the Holy Spirit prune things out of our lives, out of our character that shouldn't be there to make us better, we need to let our significant other, our fiancé, our spouse do those things to us willingly as well. And it's really not fun on either side. So if you find someone who's willing to do this and let you do it for them, you truly have found someone that loves you. Now, I know it's easy to sit here and size up the person next to you, whoever you came with today, or the the person you're thinking of in your mind uh, that you're in a partnership with. But in reality, we should all be looking and deconstructing our own selves when it comes to this, to see how we measure up. Because if we were all collectively, internally striving to hit the mark, we'd all be suitable partners who are ready to be the spouses that God called us to be, individually and as a couple. So yes, if you're searching, be a fruit inspector to look for these standards, but definitely be looking inward. Because when you do all these things, it looks like this. Shared commitment and dedication, unity and alignment, resilience and adaptability, trust and dependability, Effective communication, which just really quick, Sean and I do marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling, and we got a top three list of things that we've collected over all the years that people have come to us for help, and this is one of them. Support and sacrifice, shared values and morals. And I said earlier that good partnership is the foundation to good relationship, 
And good relationship is the foundation to a good marriage. So if you're dating, you should accept no standard less than these that we talked about today. And you should date to marry. Otherwise, you're just headed for hardship, not partnership. And if you are married already, you should be comparing yourself to Jesus right now, who is the best partner and a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is the servant leader. He is a laborer, a helper. He's loyal. He came here to learn in the flesh the people that he loved, and he is the lover of our souls. Striving to be like him will put you on a trajectory toward a kingdom marriage. And once we get there, his word tells us how to maintain it and really just how we should treat anybody. It says we should love each other like Jesus loved us. Let everything we do be done in love. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another. And when you do all this, it makes all the scriptures that Pastor David was talking about last week about Uh, husbands loving your wives like Christ loved the church and wives submit to your husbands it makes it a joy and easy to do because a lot of people say well I'm not submitting because he's not loving me like Christ loved the church and I'm not loving her like Christ loved the church because she doesn't respect me and you know on and on but if we're all just doing what we're supposed to do everything works in tandem and it becomes a great joy not a burdensome command that's unattainable because of some obligatory reciprocation built on condition Marriage done right is two people who make one united force for the kingdom of God. It's a conduit for the movement of the Holy Spirit to accomplish kingdom things in this war zone that we call life. When Jesus is the third cord in your strand, your partnership is not quickly or easily broken. And if you're worried you'll never find this person, we have direction for that too. Ask, seek, knock. The door will be open to you. It will be given to you. And he also tells us this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Proverbs 16.3. This reminds us that when we involve God in our partnerships and our endeavors, he will establish our plans. So you can let him and his wisdom guide you to the right person. We need... A prayer partner. Someone who will lift us up and pray with us and for us and advocate on our behalf. We need a friend in our loneliness. Someone who will fight the battles of life alongside us and then cover us in the same way when we're down. Someone who will pick us up and someone who loves us too much to leave us how we are. And that picture sounds a whole lot like Jesus. It's hard to be the kind of partner he is if you don't know him. So let's bow our heads and start there. Pastor David's going to come up, start making his way. Just consider your next step. Partnership with Jesus is the baseline. And then everything flows from there. You know, um, you'll hear a lot. And if you're in church, you can hear a lot about being like Jesus. But... It's really impossible to be like him if you don't know him. And what the Bible means when it says know him is know him personally, not just about him. You know, one of the things that we have here in the mountains, and I'm, I'm from here, so I can, you know, <laughs> is that we, we have a lot of folks that know about him. It's a big difference, though, knowing about him and knowing him. And I want to ask you a question. If, 
Have you ever had a moment in your life that changed your life? I've met a lot of people before that said to me, I'm not sure. And I, and I want to pause and just stop really quick and say it's, it, it doesn't work that way. You see, when a person is overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God, and you experience the forgiveness that only he can give us, and I say this in love, everybody, you'll know it. He'll change your life. I know. He'll change your heart. He'll change your life. And, you know, one of the things that we do here at the church is we, we do a prayer and we do it together. And, and it's not the prayer. It's not just a, a saying a few words after somebody else that does anything at all. It's what comes from here when you say it to God. And if you mean it with all your heart, he responds to it. And he'll change your life. And you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Grace is not a word to be defined Grace is to be experienced. And if you've never experienced the grace of God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, and that's at any of our locations right now. If you've never experienced the grace of God, if you've ever know what it's like to be born again, to know Him, I want to ask you if you would, at all of our locations, and, and all of you here in Middlesbrough, if you would, just bow your heads with me for just a minute. And I want, to, I want you, while your head's down right now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I ever had that moment? Have I ever had a moment that changed my life? Do I know what it's like to be forgiven and free and filled with the Spirit of God? Do you know what that's like? If you've never experienced that before, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be a part of a prayer that we're all going to pray together. Now, we do this together just because we're family. And I'm just trying to help you to, to, because to, you may not know what to say. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to just be a part of that prayer. But, but if you'll mean it, if you'll pray to God with this prayer, just say, God, I mean this with all of my heart, he'll respond to it. So let me ask you right now, is God dealing with you? Is he dealing with you? Is it time to respond? Is it time to stop running? If that's you right now and you just want to be a part of that prayer, would you do this at, at any of the locations? Or if you're at home right now, just lift your hands up right now and say, that's me. I see you. God bless you. I see you over here. I see you. So proud of you ladies at the detention center right now. Hands high. So proud of you at the Tazewell location. Here's what I want to do right now. I want to... I want us to all like family. Let's just lift our voices and boldly just repeat this after me if you would. Lord Jesus, today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And today I will believe that the price you have paid on the cross is more than enough for the sins I have committed. And today... I will trust you as both Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Would you do that? Wow. I tell you, when the hand goes up, the life is changed. Amen, everybody. Stand with me for just a minute, and let's get ready to worship. 
You know, one of the greatest moments in our life is the first time that we worship after saying yes to Jesus and stop running. It's just a powerful, powerful thing. So let's do this right now, church, at, at all of our locations. Let's just worship Him, and let's just give God our very best right now. Amen. Just open our hearts up to Him. And no matter, like, like Tonya said, no matter what you're going through right now, and a lot, of, a lot of us are going through things, no matter what you're going through right now, just say, you know what, today, Lord, I'm going to worship you because you're worthy of our praise. Amen.
Let's all sing this together. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. time, Jeff. Let's give him our heart right now. give the Lord a hand of praise. Would you do that? Wow. Um, I was thinking when she was, you know, as she was speaking about, you know, all of us, all of us have a lot more going on in our lives than what appears. Amen, everybody. I, everybody, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you could hear that in her today. And I thought, you know, I was just thinking how great it would be for all the ladies for a change, not to just hear from men in the middle of a, of a marriage series, but to hear from, from a lady and get a perspective and, and just to get to hear her struggles and, and some of the things. We're all going through things, everybody. And one of the things I woke up to this morning, I just really felt compelled to say this to somebody. In all the years okay, that I've been saved, but especially since I've been a pastor, I've never seen anybody have a moral failure that was in the Word of God every day in a personal study. So if you want to know why that I'm constantly saying, read the Word every day, read the Word every day. We are cleansed by the washing of the Word, everybody. These words that He speaks to us, they are spirit and they are truth. And we need a deposit of the Word of God every day in our life because we have a real enemy out there. A real enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy us. And we need that. And I'm saying this as a pastor and a friend. I don't know who it's for. But if you're not in the Word every day, get in the Word. That somebody told me one time. They said, well, I just don't know how to get. Just start. Just pick it up. We've got a, we've got a devotion on, on version right now that we have our own thing uh, the church does on version, and we're doing devotions every day that way. We do the one-year Bible on our website. Pick up the Word of God and start reading the book of John. Just read the Word every day. You'll do better. Amen. My name is David. I'm your friend, and I'm trying to help, okay? That's it. Just trying to help, and I want to see everybody succeed and do well. Today is uh, step two, right, of the growth track. And so if you've been to step one and uh, thought it over for a little bit maybe or whatever and you want to come to step two and just discover that spiritual gift and what's inside of you, we're going to help you to discover that. It's for you. And so come back to step two. To, uh, they'll be down in the gym after the second service. And for those of you that lifted up your hand, let me tell you really quick, let me give you a word, baptism. The first, when you're water baptized, you are given a testimony 
of what God has done, the death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's, your, it's your testimony. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our testimony. So we have the benefit there both ways, and it's an experience that I would love everybody to have. And so if, you, if you've said yes to him, start it off on the right foot. Be water baptized. Sign up on, the, on your connection card and say, hey, I want to be water baptized. Give us a clear phone number. We'll, we'll get the information out to you. And uh, we had a record number of baptisms at both locations. We do that on the third Sunday. This last time was uh, just wow is all I can say. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And so also um, just quickly, the service time thing I said last week, I'm on, I'm, we're having to regroup all the time, everybody. The only thing consistent around this place is change. <laughs> and so we're going to hold our 10 and 11.30 services all the way at least to Easter. And uh, Taz will, will be going to two services out of necessity. They will be going to two services on the 3rd and uh, this coming month and then they'll go 10 and 11 30 and we'll see how they balance out and we may work at a, a, a service time change after that okay so here's what i want to do i want to pray over you before we go today and uh if you need prayer for anything at all we're going to be right up here in the front ready to pray with you and uh and just any questions anything like that uh if you fill out that connection card and drop it in and you're a guest i'm gonna mail you a letter one time not going to harass you and tell you how thankful I am that you're here, tell you a little bit about the church. So um, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, right now, just thank you so much. I thank you for the opportunity we have today to give and be a part of what you're doing. I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you so much more than anything for those that said yes today. Lord, that, the biggest win of all time, and it's all you. And Lord, we're just, we're just thankful to get to be a part of that. For somebody to leave here today forgiven and free. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for paying a price for us that we could not pay for ourselves. And, Lord, today I ask a blessing over each and every one under the sound of my voice. Lord, that your presence is so strong with them this week that they just can't, they can't contain it. They have to pull over. They have to stop work. They have to, you're just there. Lord, I thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, we'll be right here in the front.